I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Hello, family. Welcome back. Oh, goodness. You know, just being here is always the highlight of the week. And today we have with us Keisha Bickham, who is quite special. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Somebody who's all about adulting. And you know, that's what we talk about over here. So, you know, going to jump into it and say, hey, Keisha. Hey, how are you doing, Dr. Eve? Wonderful, wonderful. I, you know, we are recording and it is still cold outside. So I just be glad when it springs up. I, I definitely say that. Don't know if the groundhog saw a shadow, but I didn't find out. Do you know that? I don't know, but I'm okay. I'm on the West Coast. So we, we get cold and hot and flip-flop weather all in the same <laughs> week. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad to have you here just enthused to hear everything that you've got to say about all things um, that we'll be talking about today. But let's just go ahead again, just jump into it. Tell us who you are and what you do. Well, I'm Keisha. I'm a mother, wife, daughter, granddaughter, engineer. I'm a Delta, a mentor, and I'm a healthcare leader. And um, I have had people pour into me my whole life. And that has driven a lot about my story, which we're going to talk about today. Loving that, loving that, loving that. So just, you know, thinking about adulting, right? What do you wish you knew before you graduated from college? I think one of the things as a first gen was to take your time. I mean, I took four five years. So um, in engineering, that's pretty normal. But I wish I would have taken even more time and, and enjoyed myself. I wish I had dreamed a little more and written it down. And I think I did dream. I've always been very ambitious, but I had a friend tell me the other day, she said, are you still retiring at 55? I said, what are you talking about? She <laughs> said, you told me that when we were in college. And I'm like, I don't remember that. And so I wish I had written down some of those dreams and I'm um, taking time to travel the world. When I was in school that, you know, studying abroad wasn't something we did as a minority community. And so I wish those were things I could have taken advantage of when I was in college. When did you learn more about studying abroad or even travel itself? Because I was just thinking about this last night. I did not know anything about a passport until 2013. So that's been less than 10 years ago. Yeah, well, luckily, I had an opportunity to travel while I was in college. I was in the National Society of Black Engineers, and we had an initiative with Ghana where we worked with their engineering students there. So my junior year, I actually got a passport and spent 10 days in Ghana and, and traveled the country. And that was eye-opening for me. I really enjoyed it. I have a, one of my best friends is from Nigeria, and she spent a summer in Japan during the time we were in college. And so that was eye-opening for me as well. And so I think it started early. I just, it wasn't just something that was normal in, in my circle of friends. And I think now as we look upon it, it's definitely more presentable. My kids had a passport at three months old. And so mm. it's definitely time to change since we were in school. I, I can dig that for sure. 
my mom, I believe she did travel out of the country, but I didn't understand when I was younger what that meant. I think she may have gone to like the Dominican Republic when I was in high school, maybe. And all I knew was that she was going to have to get on the plane because I didn't get on the plane until I went to college. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about being able to be around people from different places and different areas, it really opened me up to saying, I wonder what it's like there. And the advantage of going to college is meeting all these people who you can definitely connect with and go visit them, you know, especially as first gen, just go visit and go hang out, you know, when you get a break and check out new spaces because that travel is the way to understand the world and the people and just really open yourself up to even all that you can be. So I think that's really cool. And then going to Ghana, like (laughs) you didn't go somewhere, you went, went. So that's real cool. I love that. So can you share with us uh, what are some of the major life lessons that you've learned since you graduated? I think um, in reflecting on this is one, appreciate the ride. So a lot of times we'll be in college and we've been told, you know, get good grades, go to a good school, get a good job. And the blueprint sort of ends there. And I think just having the appreciation for the ride that things may not go the way you thought they would. They may go left, right, up and down. And that's okay. I think also have a plan. Be ready to take ownership of of your career, of your next level of education if you want to do that, but also be flexible. So there may be something that you had in mind and I'm going to do X by year five, I'm going to do X by year 10, and it doesn't always work that way. And so giving yourself grace on what that plan looks like and being flexible is is what I think is, is key. I never thought I would live on the West Coast. I did a West Coast internship in college and didn't like it and said, okay, I've done that. And now I'm in the West Coast again. And so it's amazing how life goes and the places you'll land. I think the other piece, and and it's hard until I think you get some age on you, is don't worry about what other people think. It's not your business. And and Mm. I tell people that, you know, just because someone has an opinion of you, it doesn't make it your truth. And, and I think being able to be confident in who you are and not arrogant, you know, being able to take feedback, but just appreciate the fact that you're uniquely you. You have a path that God has planned for you and you don't always have to worry about what other people think about that path. What do you like now about being on the West Coast? Granted that you couldn't even have seen yourself there before. I think it's just it's different. It's a different experience for my kids. You know, I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina and spent all of my childhood there. And while my my parents and mom took me on different vacations in different places, that was home. And I always had the ambition of of going somewhere else. So as soon as I finished college, I moved to Atlanta and I moved to Chicago. And when my kids were born, that same kind of pattern continues. So some work opportunities led us to Charlotte and then Austin, Texas, and then back to Charlotte and now in the West Coast. And I think for me, it has broadened my kids' horizons. When I went to college, I remember having this list of schools in the Southeast and one in Texas. And while I had a full ride in Texas, I didn't want to go there. It was too far. And my Mm -hmm. kids, as I talk to my daughter now, who's a junior in high school, her ambitions are wide open. And that's that's what I want for them. And so I think that's one thing that I've appreciated being on the West is that it's just broadened my kids' horizons. They can fit into environments anywhere. And I think that's going to benefit them later in life. I, I definitely can appreciate that you were even just willing to move anyway and to be open and that you and your partner are go-getters. Because all the places you've been, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish Chicago. Like, I love Chicago. Chicago is beautiful. It's one of my favorite cities in the States. And 
again, just living different places, how it exposes you to culture even more deeply. Having stayed in Mississippi for six and a half years myself, I got to explore the entire South. And being in the deep South, let me know I wanted to stay in the South, maybe not that deep in it, but definitely compared to other places, it's weather and it's food and it's community and it's so many things that makes a place where it is. But that doesn't mean like you can't appreciate other places for what they are. And once you've experienced it, it definitely changes again your perspective. Is there any place or that you say that maybe was a favorite? Um, I think they're they're all special in different ways. And it's interesting that sometimes you don't appreciate them until you leave. And so mm. lived in Atlanta and always wanted to go to Atlanta. I wanted to go to Georgia Tech, but that out-of-state tuition was a barrier. And so as soon as I finished college, I had an opportunity to move to Atlanta. And I'm like, I'm going. <laughs> and I got some great, you know, I pledged sorority there, alumni chapter, and have some great line sisters. And so I love, I love the culture of Atlanta. I love the ambition of it. But I don't know if I could live in Atlanta again. I think it's, it was a great experience. I have great friends there. And I could visit five, six times a year. But I think living for me somewhere near the water is an ultimate goal. My daughter is a water fish and and we love just being near water. We vacation almost every year in Jamaica. And so much so my kids, when they were young, called it our second home. And I'm like, I wish. <laughs> but <laughs> it's somewhere. And now, you know, with things changing with COVID and, and the environment, the options of where you live are more wide open. Not necessarily for me being in a, in a healthcare field, but for others and entrepreneurs, the, the world is open. And I think that's just so exciting for folks now. I'm very excited to hear that you love Jamaica. Let me just say that real quick. <laughs> I got married in Jamaica, so I love I it too. too. Definitely. Oh my goodness, really? So, what yep. part? We were in, it's between Ocho Rios and Roundabout Bay. It was uh, an old property of, uh, gosh, I think it was of couples. But we actually rent a house there now. And and it's right probably about 10 minutes from where we got married. And literally, we go every year with a group of 10 to 40 people. And we love it. We love it. So this is so interesting, right? I'm just going to point this out. One, that we both got married in Jamaica. I got married in Montego Bay at this resort, Grand Rose Hall. So it was just beautiful, just incredible. But then uh, to think about how travel for you has been a constant in your life, that you so much so are going on these big group trips and going every year. Um, Talk about that a little bit because some people travel and they don't, you know, keep it going. How have you been able to keep travel going, but not just that, travel in a big old group? Well, it's one of the things and, and, you know, we were going to talk about relationships, but I was an only child. And so having cousins and other folks around me has always been something that's a big deal. I'm a natural connector. Hmm. I'm a natural organizer. So being able to put a trip together is fun. You know, putting together the spreadsheet and saying who's going and communicating. That's that's something I enjoy in my free time. And it's weird, but I enjoy that. So after we got married, I had a friend invite us to go and she had coordinated the trip and and everything. And she has cousins that have been going for years and years. And it was a place where we could go. We rent a house. It's staffed. They do everything for you. And we've built relationships with people on the island. And it's just something that it's familiar my husband and I do all the planning so people just write a check and show up and they trust that we've gotten everything taken care of. And there's no agenda. We don't do a whole lot of excursions and this and that. 
we eat, we dance, we drink, we watch the water, and the kids have a great time. So that's the reason my kids had a passport so early. It's because at eight months old, we were in, in Jamaica. And so those are things that we appreciate. When we have to skip a year, everybody's like waiting, like when's the next year? I have friends <laughs> who parents are like, can I go? And I'm like, look, that's not this kind of trip. But one of my friend's parents were like, well, you can't go without us. And so uh, it's just become that annual thing we look forward to. And our last trip was in 2019 and everyone's already asking now. So when's the next one? When's the next one? And so uh, it's just something we just enjoy doing. Again, I have a, a blessed to have a group of friends who we all have similar things in common. We don't take any drama and we just have a ball. Nothing like having a good time and relaxation and balance. I think that's really important, uh, especially as we navigate our careers and be it that, you know, you're in a corporate space or if you are definitely, you know, entrepreneur, you have to have that balance. So I'm glad that you bring that up, that you know drama. Like this is the one time we just need to be, let your hair down, relax and just go back and deal with that stuff when you get back home. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I have a friend that comes with just a backpack. She said I have my... <laughs> Four pair of underwear, my swimsuit, <laughs> and some socks and a travel outfit. And that's all we need. That's all we need. Playing around. No, not playing around. I love it. In my head, I'm imagining the house on Why Did I Get Married? Was it Why Did I Get Married Two, maybe when they went to mm-hmm. the island? But it just kind of like you just go and just be, you don't need much. Just open up the windows, go sit on the water, be grown. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, be grown. You did mention the part about being a connector. Let's talk a little bit more about that because I'm, you know, interested in talking about relationships and just how these things show up not just in your life, not just personally, but professionally. So let's tap into that a second. What about relationships is important or people should pay more attention to? You know, when it comes to relationships, as I mentioned I'm a natural connector. I genuinely like people. And one of the things that I I like to do is just finding connection. And my husband rolls his eyes because sometimes we'll be in the grocery store and I'll just start spark up a conversation um, with someone and just finding that connection. The other thing I do is I use my knowledge or expertise and I give it away freely. I think when you working with people and you give away your information freely, it makes folks more comfortable and you find that mutual connection there. Also just having a strategy of who you need to know and who needs to know you. That's a big piece in in navigating the career aspect as well as entrepreneurship and check in when you don't want something. So Mother's Day, birthdays, when there's um, a big event happening in an area, I'll send a quick text message and, and you'll be surprised that people will appreciate it and say, wow, I didn't think you would think of me or remember um, that I had a, a birthday. And so just check in. So when there is something that you do want, that's not the only time folks are hearing from you. The other piece that's real important is just respect the confidentiality. By nature, I'm a real transparent person. And so when I talk to people, my expectation is that I'm not going to hear about it from somebody else. So having those relationships where people can expect you to keep it confidential and to let their life experiences that they share with you be just between the two of you, you get so much more out of the relationship 
when you're able to do that. And then the last piece I would say is just relationships have seasons. And so everybody's not going to be everything at all times. Your relationships will come and go and they don't always bear fruit immediately. Sometimes it might be five, 10 years later that someone you met at an event or at a conference comes to mind and you see them pop up on social media on some work that they're doing that it makes sense for you guys to reconnect. So I just say, keep that, keep that open and recognize that connections aren't just for a short period of time. They come and go in seasons. And I've found that doing that makes a big difference. The other thing about relationships is that it helps you navigate the space in, in the corporate environment. It helps you make sure that when there are positions out there that you know the environment you're getting in, every job isn't meant for you. <laughs> every environment isn't necessarily gonna be a place that we can thrive and grow. And so I have folks reach out to me all the time saying, hey, Keisha, I saw this position, what do you think? And I think about the folks that I know either that are in a similar role or that are in that market or working at organization. And I'll say, hey, you know, I know this or I don't know this, but give Mark a call or give this person a call. They'll be able to give you some insight. And so being able to have those relationships help you also navigate situations and understand what is a good opportunity for me and what's not a good opportunity for me. And I find that, you know, to be key, particularly when you're getting higher up in your career settings, is that each one of those positions or jobs you take, you got to be strategic about it and make sure it's going to put you in the right trajectories for what your long term goals are. And, and that's been a key piece for me specifically. Hmm. What do you think that we really learn how to navigate relationships, though? Like before we even get into a corporate space, is it our our families, is it our friends, is people in our community? Like, how do these things show up and how do they help or hurt us? I think some of them are organic, you know, um, where we grow up. And for me, as I mentioned, having cousins and and folks that I knew I could relate to family reunions, funerals when you see people. But I think once you get to college, it, it becomes a little different. It's who's in your study group and how do you get through this organic chemistry or circuits class for, for those of us that were in engineering. And then it, it, it really becomes appreciating who can help you navigate. And I had the blessing again of having a mentor and I'll, I'll say her name is Wendy Coleman Blue. And she helped me and I would say all the students at NC State that were in engineering really navigate the space. And she taught us how to not only get our professional professional selves together with resumes and and uh, mock interviews, but she actually made those connections. And so she made it not be so foreign to us. And it didn't hurt that we had corporate folks coming to the campus who looked like us. And that gave that sense of comfort to begin with, to be able to ask the questions and not be uncomfortable or not be a dumb question. And they're like, hey, I get it. This might be how you want to ask someone else. You can always come to me this way, but this is how you might want to ask it in a different setting. And so I've been able to take that and take that feedback. And one of the things that I think it's helped me is I'm never scared of somebody because of their title. I appreciate the fact that at, at the end of the day, we're all people and that people, no matter their title or their position, they've gone through some stuff. You know, you can appreciate or suspect that people have had an easy way because of their title. And there's always a story there. And I think appreciating that helps us all have something in common. 
And so to answer your question, I think we, we learn it depending on our experiences. And some of those experiences burn us. I have a couple that have hit me in the chin and I still have learned from them. And I think appreciating that and, and not getting caught up in feelings and, and just understanding what are the lessons learned from those relationships, good or bad, that's what helps people grow and mature and develop. And so I say, don't run from it. Don't run from those tough situations because there is a lesson learned to, that you'll be able to pick up on later and say, oh, I've seen this before. I'm not going to be worried about it because I know it can have another ending. Mm, I'm all for that. Mm, the, it can have another ending, but not to run from it. It's so easy to run, right? Oh. Because I'm shamed. I don't want people to be mad at me. And I don't want somebody to dislike me. I got to hide. I don't want to be seen. How do I recover? But a lot of times the way we show people that we're not ashamed or embarrassed or scared, any of those things is to sit with it and to be present and to keep showing up. I'm glad you mentioned that. That is quite thoughtful. Is there a time that you've had to not run from something that you wanted to run from, but you just didn't? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I remember I remember there was a um, situation I was in and I won't get into the details, but it was it was not pretty. And I wanted to run and I tried to run from the situation and it kept getting blocked. I was looking for another job and it kept getting blocked. And so mm. I had to sit in it. And I had to sit in that situation and it took some time for circumstances to change, for some people to change. And I had to accept that this is something I'm going to have to learn from and I can't run from it because there are things with my family and, and so forth that I just, I can't be selfish and do that. And so it taught me two things. The first thing it taught me is sometimes sitting in is, is forcing you to learn and deal with things and how to navigate situations that you'll have to do again. And the second biggest piece that it taught me, particularly as a first gen, is to always have some, some backup financially. And so being able to have something in your back pocket, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars to say, hey, if I need to leave a situation, it won't negatively impact my family. And that came into play probably six years after that situation where I was in a position and I learned that being in this role, I'm not going anywhere. And I had someone actually tell me that, which was one of the punches in the chin. And they were like, you're great, but this isn't a path for you. And I said, okay. And I said, well, then I guess I need to make a decision. And that decision was for us to move back to North Carolina. And I was confident in doing that because one, I knew I left great relationships. Two, I knew my expertise it was needed anywhere that I, I could put it. And three, I knew that our family could go about six months without worrying about it. And so having that financial footing to be able to leave a situation was something that so I think is so empowering that you don't feel like you have to stay somewhere because otherwise you don't know where you're going to live or if your kids are going to be able to, you know, be thrive and so forth. And so it taught me to sit in a situation, but it also was a lesson learned to say, I always have some backup. So if you need to leave a situation, you have the ability to do it without negatively impacting your financials or your family. I'm just going to give a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> similar situation you know where I, I was in a workspace that I needed to leave and there was just no question about it and had I not had one support of my husband but two several several months of savings it wouldn't have been possible and I don't know where I would be now if I could not have so 
while we want to live and enjoy our lives, that savings is also responsibility to give you leverage to do what you need to do, even if it's just for temporary circumstances. So I'm, I'm feeling that completely because I wouldn't be where I am right now had it not been for a few months of savings. <laughs> you know, be being able to just say, I got to figure this out. This ain't going to work, but I got to do something else. And so kudos for that. And even just thinking about me leaving and now being an entrepreneur, what are some of your experiences with entrepreneurship so far? What are you planning to do, you know, in the entrepreneurial space? So we're still, I'm still fairly new to it. As I mentioned, our travel with our group, we use that as, as an entrepreneurial avenue and and um, put our work, you know, get some revenue from the work that we do and organizing that. But I think now also it's just looking at first gens and others and how do we navigate? As I mentioned, our blueprint sort of ends with getting a good job. And so one of the things that I have a lot of interest in is helping people not only navigate from a career standpoint, but being able to start looking at finances early, understanding what 401k means, understanding this space of investing, that it's not that hard. I had the, the blessing of starting investing when I was in college and didn't know anything about it, but I started. And starting 25 years ago makes a big difference. And um, so that's a space I'm interested in. I'm having conversations with people who are high income earners and they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And I and I find that having those conversations and just breaking it down for folks is is a first step. And so that's some space that I'm looking in from an entrepreneurial standpoint. It's just how to work with people who have gotten great jobs and they have good careers and they're trying to figure out, well, how do I not work till I'm 80? And um, just being able to navigate that space. And so more to come on that, but that's the space from an entrepreneurial standpoint that I'm really passionate about. I've been putting a lot of work in here recently. I'm really excited to see that, you know, come to fruition because I'm sure that it's really exciting work for you as well. And it's very creative because I know a lot of us think ground up rather than just what's already there and kind of the way that you think about entrepreneurship. So that's really, really cool. And then to just think about being able to take all of your years of experience and all of the things you've done successfully in the past that knowledge and wisdom on, there's nothing in the world like that. So very excited for you. Thank you. You're so very welcome. So, so very welcome. We are at a point of uh, closing it up. I mean, these conversations seem to go so fast, but they're so fascinating and so enjoyable. But what I do want to know from you is what is that piece of advice or the words of wisdom that you would want to leave us with? I think part of it is thinking about, as I was just mentioning, sort of what life looks like. And, And again, not always a good blueprint, but looking at your past your path and your future. And and I, I take that this has been sort of an epiphany as I've been doing some of this work, but looking at your past and, and saying, what have I learned from it? What things have I overcome? What struggles, what situations have I gotten out of? What have I learned from that? You know, and even taking it a bit deeper with this being Black History Month, what, what are some of the things I can dig into even further than that, thinking about generations and giving yourself grace over things that, you've had in the past and not letting it stop for you to dream big. And so then I go to the next part of your future. And as I mentioned at the beginning, writing down those goals early um, and thinking about the future. Sometimes we get into this work grind and matrix and all we could think about is paying the bills and what's my Mm -hmm. job going to be next, but not really dreaming about what retirement could look like and what the future looks like and what my kids' future can look like. And so I use those two sort of as a bookend to have my foundation, my future. And then in the middle, let's navigate that path. Let's think about 
what I need to do from a career standpoint, what do I need to do from a life planning standpoint to be able to put all that together. So my my advice would be, again, have patience with the process. Everything doesn't work like we think it, it will when we're working it out. I'm an information junkie, so I listen <laughs> to a ton of podcasts and, and listen to books and just try to educate myself and grow as much as I can. And so, and, and again, knowing and, and having some grace with yourself on what your path is, um, being ambitious, putting a plan together, those are just some things that I, I live and breathe by every day. Well, I love it. And definitely I hope that you who have listened today love it too, because I think Keisha's life is a great example. The fact that we can come from hardship, but we can still live the very lives that we want to live. And we don't have to apologize for it. We don't have to settle for anything and we can dream and do big. And I'm excited to hear that, but also for you to be proof of the fact that when we put our minds to whatever it is that we want in life, be it getting mad in Jamaica, because it's something that, you know, you don't hit too many friends and say, hey, I got mad at the country. But whether it's that or if it's travel or if it's investing, if it's starting a business, do it and pursue it and don't don't be afraid of it. So I love that. But also make sure, um, good people, that you go and check out the full show notes to get into contact with Keisha if you'd like to. You will um, see that if you check out the episode session notes, click that link to see full show notes. Keisha, you have been so wonderful to have here today. I'm um, just thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for the push and definitely the reminder that we should not be afraid, but also don't run. So <laughs> we're going to keep that with us. But until the next time, I want you to be good to yourself. And thank you for being a part of the family. It's been an absolute pleasure. I love what you're doing. And I'm just hopeful that we can all make an impact on on First Gen and others who I hope they can learn from what we've gone through so they can get there faster to be able to accelerate where they're going and and, and learn and, and be able to get there quicker and more efficiently than we did and just start this pendulum going in the right direction for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Until next time. 